Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Faith Christian Podcast. At Faith Christian, our purpose is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information about Faith Christian, check out our website, fccnp.org, or stop by on a Sunday morning. We'd love to meet you. Now we hope you enjoy this recent teaching from Faith Christian Church. Well, in many ways, we have come full circle this uh, last month in our study of Nehemiah. If you remember through this study that we have looked at in these first eight chapters, we have learned that a vision was given to Nehemiah by God. And when that vision was given, Nehemiah went to God. Nehemiah didn't just see the vision, but then he accepted the vision, and the acceptance was made by him, and he trusted that God would be with him through that. Then he went to Jerusalem, and he surveyed the work that was before him, and once again, as he looked out, over the the walls that were in destruction and over the gates that had been destroyed, he again went to God. He then turned and communicated that vision to the people of Jerusalem. And not only did Nehemiah trust God, but he encouraged the people to trust God through that. As the building was taking place, opposition came. And opposition was overcome, but Nehemiah showed that it was only by the strength of God that that happened. In 52 days, the work was complete, and Nehemiah let it be known that it was only by the power of God that that work was able to be accomplished. And then we begin the final four chapters of the book of Nehemiah. It's interesting to me eight chapters, or actually seven chapters, for Nehemiah to hear the vision, communicate the vision, and do the work, and then four chapters of Nehemiah celebrating all that God had done for the Hebrew people, and he gave thanks to God and God alone. I think the string that runs through the book of Nehemiah, and really it's the string that runs throughout the pages of the Bible, is that Nehemiah recognized that he was God's servant and that his only role was to stay attached to God and God alone and that God would be the director, that God would be the orchestrator, and that God would be the hand that accomplished all things. Throughout Nehemiah's life, and especially in these months of him working on the walls of Jerusalem, in all that Nehemiah accomplished, Nehemiah stayed steadfastly connected to God. And he knew it was only God that would provide the answers and the help. Now it's interesting to me because we have to remember where Nehemiah came from. We've talked about this before, but I think it's an important piece. Nehemiah worked in the household of the king of that day and age. Nehemiah had all of the blessings of royalty. 
You know, some people would say, well, he was a servant, and yes, he was, but understand, Nehemiah was always right beside the king. Because if the king was going to eat something, if the king was going to drink something, Nehemiah had to taste it first. I mean, if somebody walked up to the king and offered him a breath mint, Nehemiah had to make sure that breath mint was safe. That's who Nehemiah was. He had the lap of luxury. He understood worldly knowledge. He understood worldly privilege, and he understood that all of those things were uniquely flawed. But God was perfect. I think in many ways that's important for us to put into practice in our own lives today. Sometimes we come against things and we look at things and we say, this just doesn't make sense. But God seems to be directing me to this. You know what? With God, all things are possible. When we put our trust and our hope and our salvation in him, in him alone. We live in a world today where we seem to think that we have the answers. We live in some of the best times in our mind that we can Google it and we can find everything right at our fingertips. But sometimes God leads us in a different direction. And we need to trust him and we need to recognize that God's way is the best way. In these last four chapters, Chapters of the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah once again leads and challenges the Hebrew people to look to God. They're called to celebrate all that God had done for them and to celebrate and make sure that they give God the glory for all that was accomplished. And I think Nehemiah pointed the people in three different directions. In these last four chapters now the good news we're not going to read all four chapters but if you have your Bibles follow along with me as we pick out a few different verses and look at what Nehemiah did first in chapter 8 beginning in verse 1 through 3 we read these words all the people came together as one in the square before the water gate they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So, on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak until noon, as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened intently to the book of the law. Understand this. The very first thing that Moses, or I'm sorry, that Nehemiah instructed the people was to unpack the law of God. Those first five books of the Old Testament. Sometimes we call it the Pentateuch. It's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's the books of the law. Reading for five to six hours. Imagine the attention that had to take place 
as the people stood out by the gate and they listened to Ezra read the law for such a long time. One commentator said it this way, and I love these words. He said, the people's reverence for the word is seen in their conviction that their Lord had given this to his people Israel. And I love this last line. The commentator said, they were people of the book. I wonder, have we forgotten the great significance of the Bible today? Have we forgotten how significant and how precious it is that we have the Word of God at our very fingertips? That God has given us direction, that God has given us hope, that God has given us help. I remember as a child growing up going to Sunday school, and one of the things we had to do every week was memorize Scripture. How many of you kids remember doing that? How many of you kids remember sword drills that we had to do in Sunday school where we had to keep our Bibles down beside our side? You know, we couldn't have them up here. We couldn't have our fingers in there. And our teacher would call out a scripture and we'd have to look in the Bible and we'd have to find it. You know, for a very quick time, I learned something. They made these little tabs that could give you the chapters. That Bible got taken away from me very quickly. But we honored the Word of God. Yet today, we all have hundreds of Bibles sitting in our homes. We have a Bible right here on our phone. Each and every one of us probably have a Bible app of some type, or at least have Google on here that we could look up a word or a scripture. And I wonder how often do we pause and do we reflect on what God's word says first and foremost? All that they had accomplished, all of the great things, the stability that was once again there for the Israelite people, Nehemiah paused and said, let's go back to the book and let's remind ourselves who is ultimately in control and let's remind ourselves why we did all of this because God is God and guess what Stephen Curtis Chapman was right we're not not only did they do this first but they did it on a specific date the text tells us that they did it on the first day of the seventh month now there are some important reasons for this the first thing is the first day of the month that was a holy day that was marked by joyful sounds of trumpets but the seventh month the first day of that seventh month was important because it was the date of the Feast of Trumpets. Today it's known as Ro Rose Hashanah, or the head of the year. It's not the beginning of the yearly calendar. This was actually taking place in the fall of the year. But it was the beginning of the fall calendar that had three successive Jewish holidays in very quick succession. There was the Feast of the Trumpets, and then there was the Day of Atonement, and then, then there was the Day or the Feast of the Tabernacle. There were ten days between the Feast of the Trumpets 
and the Day of Atonement. Today, Jewish people would call the Day of Atonement Yom Kippur. You've heard about that, haven't you? It's the holiest day of the Jewish calendar. Those 10 days between the Feast of the Tabernacle and Yom Kippur, those are called the Days of Awe. It's when the people were encouraged to contemplate their position before God and its very special place in the history of Israel. But I also think it's very important to notice what Nehemiah did. They had rebuilt the walls. The city of Jerusalem, it had the great tabernacles there in the temple. But Nehemiah had them come out to the city gate. Did you hear it in the text? Did you see why? So that everyone could come before God and worship him and hear his words. Nehemiah wanted all people to be able to participate. He didn't just limit those that were able to come into the temple courts. He wanted men and women and children. He wanted Jewish people and he wanted Gentile people. Even before that was a thing, he wanted them all to be able to come and worship God. Now understand this. I think our place of worship doesn't matter to God. But that we worship is what matters to God. God wants each and every one of us to join together in worship and celebration of him. We have to make sure that we are always looking up vertically to God and finding ways to communicate with him and be embraced by him and encouraged by him. We need to place his word in the proper place in our lives each and every day. So my challenge to you is make sure you're always looking up to the one who gave us hope. But Nehemiah didn't just challenge the people to look up. He also challenged them to look inward at their own lives. Listen to what he says in chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. He says, On the 24th day of the same month, the Israelites gathered together, fasting and wearing sackcloth and putting dust on their heads. Those of the Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and they confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They stood where they were, were and read from the books of the law and the Lord their God for a quarter of a day and spent another quarter in confession and worshiping their Lord. After reading the books of the law, the people were broken. They realized how far they had moved away from God's hand. And they spent time convicting themselves that they had sinned against God and that their failures had stopped keeping their commandments. Two days after the feast, the people began their fast. And they looked inside themselves, and they humbled themselves before God, 
and they confess their sins. Now remember, these are God's people. These are God's people who throughout the course of history had seen the hand of God right on them. They had seen God listening to their cries and leading them out of bondage in Egypt. They had heard God, they had seen God listening to their cries and providing all of their needs. But once again, they created that cycle of sin that they did over and over again. They came to God and then they ran from God. And in this moment, they confessed to God. And they recognized that they were a people that had to look in and had to find strength in God and God alone. I want you to remember that when we look in, we must examine our hearts. Not the outside appearance or not even the rituals of what we go through. But we have to look at our hearts. It's not important how we do things. It's important that we worship God. One of the things I like about our church and our fellowship is we get the opportunity to do that each and every week. We are called to look inward in our lives at a point in our service each week when we take the Lord's Supper. As we examine our hearts and we examine our minds and we realize the blessing of all that God has done for us, we also have to realize what we need to do to have a better connection with God. Sometimes I think we just go through the motions of communion. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes it's just another piece I heard somebody say one time, it's like taking a little snack in the middle of church. Let me tell you, it's not a snack. It's the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for us, that paid the price for us. And God asked us to examine our hearts and examine our minds and make sure that we have a connection with him. So we need to make sure that we're always looking up to find that ultimate relationship with God, but we also need to be looking in and looking at where our life is and how we can better our lives to be more connected to him. But Nehemiah didn't stop there. Listen to chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. Now the leaders of the people settled in Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of every ten of them to live in Jerusalem, the holy city where the remaining nine were to stay in their own towns. But the people commended all who volunteered to live in Jerusalem. Now it's a little unclear about what this is, but what Nehemiah is challenging the people to do is to look out and to bring others in to the city of Jerusalem. Now, we all can be pretty set in our ways sometimes, can't we? Oh, we like the people that we know. We like the people that we're comfortable with. We like the people that we're friendly with. And sometimes new people come in and we just don't know what to do. 
They don't know who we are. They don't know how we act. They don't, they don't fit in, we think. Nehemiah encouraged the people, go out and bring them in and welcome them, embrace them, and love them. I could say it this way. Nehemiah challenged the people to look at worship not like the Pharisees, where it's me against you, but rather to look at it and embrace people with the love of Jesus Christ, sharing his love with them so that they might come to have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. My friends, we serve a God who desires all to come to know him. And it's our responsibility, his church in 2023, to share that love with them. We are called to share and to embrace. I was having dinner with somebody last night, and we were sitting and we were talking. And um, he goes to this church. I'm not going to tell you who it is. But he said something that struck me. He said, Brian, I am convinced that God is about to do great things in the life of Faith Christian Church. I just sat there and I thought, wow, thanks for sharing that. My friends, I think God can do great things in the life of Faith Christian Church. But my challenge is this. Are we going to be open to God's leading? Are we going to be open to God's embrace? And when those great things begin to happen, are we going to pause and are we going to thank God for what he is doing in us and through us? Nehemiah is a book about a man who taught Christians so much about leadership. But more important than that, it's an example of humbly submitting to the will of God and obeying him and him alone. I believe for us, 2,000 plus years later, we still need to remember that we are called to put God first, to love others with the love of Jesus and recognize that God is going to do great things through us when we embrace him. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for the love of Jesus. And I thank you for how he helps us and inspires us to do great things. Father, I do pray that there are great things on the horizon for Faith Christian Church. I know that you want to use us, you want to encourage us, and you want to spur us on out of our comfort zones to do something great for your kingdom. But I pray that we can pause during this time of our service and we can look in and we can recognize what we need to deal with in our own hearts and minds to prepare us for the work that you have called us to do. Father, help us this day and every day to be more like you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.